Hey there, and welcome to the Unlikely Artist Podcast, where I'll teach you how to gain the freedom you need to become who you want. Hi, I'm Heather Kerr. I went from international tax to art and coaching because those are the things I've been yearning to do. Listen in and find out how you can start doing what you love to do too, in slow, easy steps each week. See you there. Hi, Savvy Souls. I have such a treat for you this week. I'm so excited. I just finished an interview with the amazing Christy Stangland. Christy is the founder of My Paravita, where she takes women on insightful adventures through meditation, retreats, and feng shui. I've joined many of her offerings. She is an incredible, uh, amazing human being. She's a delightful person and She's what I love about her. She's really enjoying what she does. She's really found her calling and she's on mission and she's creating these amazing experiences for women. And today we're going to talk about Christy's journey from when she was an accountant in an accounting firm to this amazing life that she's leading today. There are so many useful insights and ways of thinking and understandings that you're going to pick up from this interview. I'm just going to dive right in now. So I'm sitting here with Christy Stanglin, and we've both been kind of laughing about how if anyone had said that we'd be landing in the careers that we're in right now, we would have totally thought they were delusional. If like we'd visited a fortune teller and she said, you know, Christy, this is what you're going to be doing or Heather, this is what you're going to be doing. Um, we just would have completely dismissed it. So what I'm going to do is let's work backwards, Christy, and start with what you're doing now. And then we're going to go backwards to see how you got uh, here from a career in accounting. I think this is so fun because Chrissy and I have this very unusual shared experience of both having been in accounting firms and, uh, you know, following all the rules, being in kind of compliance oriented jobs. And then each of our lives took off in completely different and surprising trajectories. So Christy, let's start off with, why don't you tell us all about what you do now and why it's so fun doing it. (laughs) Absolutely. So what I do now, as we've talked about, is really creating insightful adventures for women. And that has developed along the way. And right now, I just finished up a meditation challenge this week. We started in the mornings and bringing meditation to people to help them open up. I'm also working on doing retreats and because of what's happened over the past year with COVID, I pivoted with those and turned them into online retreats and workshops. And last but not least, I'm also practicing feng shui, helping people create beautiful spaces. Wow, and I know personally I've been to um, a couple of your retreats and one of them down in your beautiful property down in Maine. And 
um, your experiences are so incredible. Tell us a little bit about the meditation launch you did this week and how that was for you and what the experience was like doing that. Well, I brought together people who hadn't been meditating. They were very interested in what that would be about. And we spent just 30 minutes each day, every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time to talk about, I was giving information about my journey of meditation, got, taking them through a guided meditation and asking them to really journal and think about how their day went at the end of the day. And then the next day we would follow up about how that was feeling. And people were amazed at how much better they were sleeping, how their day went so much smoother, how much more productive they were in the things that they needed to get done. It was, it was such a rewarding experience. It really, really fed me. Yeah, I can really hear that in your voice. Like there's that passion in you for just being out there and changing people's lives basically, right? Is that when you say it, it, it kind of fueled you, is that what you mean? Yes, just seeing their transformation of how they started the week and how they ended the week and how much better they felt and things they noticed and just getting into their bodies about how they were feeling. Right. And I know like I've spoken to a number of your clients over time and there's some pretty amazing stories about how their lives have changed. Can you pick one person without saying their name and just tell, tell me a little bit about, tell all of us a little bit about how their lives have changed through just this simple practice of regular meditation? Yes. Well, somebody, well, a couple people popped to mind. And for me, one of the most interesting things is how physically they change in their appearance. So there was someone that, that came on a retreat with us and there's video of, and it was her first retreat. And I was taking a look at the video and thinking, well, you know, she looks like she was having fun. But I have to say, after about a year and a half, work that she'd done herself, but meditation that she'd done with the My Parvita Circle and some retreats that she'd gone on, she looked like a completely different person. Wow. That must be so, so amazing for you to experience that. Yes. And just to see the lightness that has been created from the, from the transformation. Right. And I know there was another woman um, I was speaking to who's one of your clients and she was talking about how it, meditation was so foreign to her and she was so resistant when she met you to even doing it. And I, I'd be curious as to how um, you kind of got under her skin and changed her mind about what meditation could do for her. Well, it was also a theme this week, which is there's just such a preconceived notion out there that, oh my gosh, meditation, I've got to have an hour, I've got to have a lot of time, I've got to have quiet space. And my uh, method, or what I like to share with people is it doesn't need to be a lot of time. It, short little meditations can have such an amazing impact, but it's really, we called it make meditation a habit. That was what it was called uh, this week. And you don't make a habit by spending 30 minutes from the get-go working out. It's kind of like when you go to a gym, like you're not yeah. going to be able to lift lots of weight. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like I know when I used to think about meditation 
maybe 10 years ago, I just thought it was something I couldn't do. And meditation teachers that I was exposed to thought 30 minutes was a small amount of time. They were saying, oh, you'll eventually like work up to four hours. And I'm kind of going like, I don't even have four hours of leisure time a day, right? Well, so- right. Who, who has that kind of time? I, I think it's, it's very unrealistic. Uh, and, and there are just so many benefits just from short meditations. Right. So I can kind of hear your passion for what you do. Like what aspects of you would you say that you get to use now in this career you've chosen for yourself compared to, you know, being an accountant? Like what aspects of you are you using now that you didn't used to get to use? Wow. That's a, that's a question right there. (laughs) I would say the most important piece that I'm really tapping into now that I didn't even think I had back then was the idea of creativity. Oh, tell me more. And it, it came about slowly as, you know, during my journey, but I, I really love to create things. And when I say create, it's a much different, uh, creative process than like you would have where you're going in front of a canvas, right? I mean, that's one of your creative outlets. But for me, it's like creating a program, creating something like this make meditation a habit, or I'm currently now working because I'm this summer, probably retreats are not going to happen. So a speaker series, which I've actually just renamed to a seekers series. Oh, I love that. Yeah, (laughs) right. It's playing on that word. And the whole idea of bringing people together for a series of how to embrace the spring, how to come out of our cocoons, and, and just playing around with that, reaching out to people to talk to them about coming on to the, to the series and, and share their wisdom. And that just jazzes me. I mean, I love doing that. I love that. And I actually love how you're speaking about creativity because um, you know, my own process, which I guess I sure shared in the first episode was I became an artist first and then I became a coach, added that to the mix. And what I've really discovered in the last two years is creativity is so much broader than me putting things on a canvas as well. So exactly. for me, I found that I love writing, like I love making up stories. So when I'm doing a post, what I love to do is just take a random photo that I've taken and then mm-hmm. just make up a, a story that I think will be meaningful to people. And I just delight in the creativity of doing that or for creating programs for my clients. And I think that we all have a deep inner aspect of creativity that's dying to come out, which is what allows us to create whatever it is we want in the world. And for some of us, creativity might be a new invention, a scientific invention. Um, For other people, it just might be the way you're thinking of a different way to show up and network with people or meet new people, right? So yes, it's so broad. And one of the things that I struggled with, this sounds really silly, is that I never had what I would consider a hobby. I mean, I had things that I, yeah, I'm a water skier, I'm a snow skier, I run, but there was nothing that I really thought of as a hobby. And over the past couple of years, I've started to create escape rooms for my family. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> it's so, and, and it's a way to use my creativity in that way. Cause I've always loved crossword puzzles and, you know, mysteries and things to, to figure out. And so I've created uh, 
escape rooms. I did one this winter with the family that, that came up over Christmas. Wow. <laughs> that, that really, that, that's awe-inspiring in terms of your level of creativity. So you've just, I love that word that you used, like it jazzes you up. Mm, yes. So like, how do you feel when you get up each morning and this is like, you know that this is, hey, this is what I get to do today. Yeah, it's so liberating. It's just a wonderful feeling to be knowing that I'm going to be able to set my day. I'm going to be able to do things that I really want to do. It, I mean, let's face it, though. There are always the little things that need to get done as an entrepreneur. But my day is so much more filled with fun, fulfilling yeah. things to do. I think that's a, an important, like an aside you made, right? About how there's still all those, you know, things that we don't love every day. Um, one of the coaches I've had has always said 50% of, of our emotions every day are on the negative side, no matter what happens in our lives. But what I find is when the 50% is part, part is good, like when I'm really thrilled about it, mm. I learn how to navigate through the negative stuff very quickly and it doesn't kind of take over my day. Right. So yeah, yes. not like we have to love every single moment, right. That's this aspirate. It's, it's kind of like the aspiration of meditating four hours a day, right? Like a lot exactly. of us do that, right? Exactly. I, I'm sure you see that in a meditation. Like some people think they can't meditate because they're going like, well, oh, I've been at this for a week. And you know, when I do my 10 minute meditation or three minute, I guess you start off with three, somebody told me, right? Yes. When I do my three med minute meditation, oh my God, I still have some negative thoughts and they, they think they're failing. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's just part of the human existence, right? Well, exactly. And it's also part of just be, being consistent and sticking with it. Because yeah. at some point, you're going to want more than three minutes. You're going to want five minutes. And then you're going to notice at the end of the day how much smoother the day went if you've, if you've started out with that quiet time. Right. And that gives you that incentive when you wake up in the morning and you'd rather just hit the alarm and go back, the snooze button and go back to sleep. When you start learning, oh my God, but if I get up, this makes such a difference to my day. Exactly. Yeah then it, it develops that habit. So I have a feeling that the listeners are kind of going like, well, isn't this wonderful that she's like having this amazing experience, but I can't really, you know, connect that to mm -hmm. Christy being an accountant, you know, several years <laughs> exactly. ago. So what I think would be useful for us to do right now is to really dive in and explore what it was like as an accountant and how you got here so that we can all learn from your journey. I, I'd like to take you through, dive in a little bit into how you thought through your decisions and how it was that you found something that you're clearly loving doing so much. So let's dial you back to when you became an accountant. And I'm really curious how it was that you, <laughs> knowing having met you as this person that you are now, Yes. Just really being curious is how it is that you landed in accounting to begin with. Yes, that is a very good question. <laughs> um, but it, does, it, it makes a lot of sense, really, because my parents were both accountants. And they grew up in the Depression. So for them, 
and my lovely mother, who was such an inspiration and really was a feminist in her day, you know, she was going to, she worked while I was a child, which was very unusual back then, but she felt very strongly that women should have education, they should go to school. But with all of that, they also, you know, thought that accounting was a nice, secure, stable profession to go into. So I was really um, influenced in that way. And I was also influenced because they would talk about, oh, that starving artist or that, you know, art is just not something anyone would ever go and do as a career. Okay. So what I'm hearing is it wasn't like you would wake up every day and go, I just, I just love like organizing things. And I love numbers and I, you know, this is my calling. It was more kind of like financial safety and security, right? It was that. Yes. And it was also, you know, I got to college and it's like, well, what's my major? I don't know. I guess I'll be an accountant. <laughs> You're so young. A little bit random. And it was like, oh, well, I know what two people in the world do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I guess I'll do that too. And I also had this idea in my head of like, you know, I want to, I like politics. Maybe I'll go to law school and I'll become a politician. And, you know, you oh, cool. have many different plans when you're, when you're a young yeah. uh, 18 year old. Yeah, it's, um, I, I love that because um, I'm a big fan of Brene Brown. I don't know if you follow her, but um, she tells the story on her podcast that, uh, when her daughter was going to university, I hope I have this right, but it's, it's roughly the idea. When her daughter was going to university, she basically forbade her to pick a major. She said, yeah, if you're, if you're going to pick a major and like narrow yourself into a pigeonhole right now, when you're 18 or 19 years old, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to pay for it. <laughs> and you know, it's so important to explore all those things. So of course you were this young woman who was in account counting but had other plans or thought other things might be possible in your in your life right it, yes and at one point i almost became a psychology major because I, I really enjoyed that oh really yes which is kind of interesting because i bring a lot of the you know studies that are done uh by psychologists psychiatrists into the the medita you know the reasons one should meditate and yep. behavioral type well, I'm, I'm kind of laughing at that because of our commonalities. Like, as I mentioned at the outset, we were both in accounting firms at one point. Yes. I, when I went to university, I wanted to be a psychologist. Oh my gosh. And um, my father w paid for my first year of tuition. And he said, no, like he had some very bad words for psychologists, but he basically thought that it wasn't a credible science and that it was a complete waste of anybody's time to sit and talk about your feelings and he did not want me to do it. So I enrolled in commerce just to make him happy. And it was something to do. Didn't like commerce. And I was looking at switching over into arts. And I wanted to do psychology. But the psychology department stood me up three times <laughs> when I was supposed to meet with a professor from there. And the economics department was wooing me. So I switched into arts, but I took economics and politics you know, political science. And the only reason I didn't do psychology is because, you know, they kind of messed up on three appointments with me, but that was where my heart and soul was. That's what I really wanted to do. Well, Heather, I love that because 
I have such a similar story. I went to go talk to the head of the psychology department and he wasn't there, but a grad student was. And he said, oh, you don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about serendipity, right? Like, and I'm like, okay, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. And we're so influenced, you know, when we're young, we don't realize that we, I would love to get it, get into the heads of a, a bunch of 20 year olds. I'm constantly meeting young people at different events that I go to and telling them not to listen to their parents. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, it's, it's really like really following. What's important to me is that people follow, you know, really follow what's true to them once they, once they get to a point in their life that they're ready to do that. So, um, yes. you know, it's funny how, how we're so influenced by what people tell us. And a lot of people go through their entire lives. You don't have to be 20. You can be 60 and still be uh, rigidly confined by what other people tell you to do. Yeah, exactly. But that being said, I have to say, I'm really happy that that, that path I went down because yeah. as an entrepreneur, that grounding in accounting and business has served me very, very well as as having having a business running yeah. myself. And you know, I, I love that point too, because um, I really do believe that all of our journeys, like everything we do is for us, like nothing is against us. And so I totally agree with you. I couldn't be having the exact life I'm living now without right. all of those um, steps that I took um, in what I look at now is, oh, this isn't really what I wanted to do. And I did it anyway, but it was such a great learning experience. I developed so many skills that I actually use right now that I wouldn't have used if I'd gone immediately into psychology. So that's such a good point. Yes. Yes. So when you did land in accounting, how did, like, tell me, tell me how that felt when you're in it. Did you, did you love it at first? And then yeah, I love that you're asking me that because I did love it at first because I ended up moving from, yeah, I grew up in this very small town in Minnesota and moved to New York City. And I love cities. I'm an, I, mean, I like both. I like yeah. being out in the country and I like being in the urban. And, but as a young 20 something in New York City in the 80s, oh my goodness, I, had such a good time. And I loved working. I really loved dressing up, going into the office, yeah. being with a group of people that were my age. We had a lot of similar interests. We would go out after work. It was a fun time for, what it, yeah. for where I was. Yeah. So it sounds like it was such a good experience. So what happened then? You were in this career you ended up loving it and you're in the big, you're in New York city. Like what an amazing place to be as somebody in your twenties. What was it that would make you want to leave something like that? It, and, and I was doing very well, but it, the funny thing is, is I realized I really wasn't that good with numbers. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I was fine. And I moved, luckily I moved up quickly. So I was managing people very very early on. So that didn't matter. But there was, there was just, and I couldn't have explained it at the time, but there was just something that was missing. And I continued to get promoted. I got married. I had children. And the, the older I got the, with the children, I just kept saying, there's got to be something else that, that from a work perspective, I wanted to, I always wanted to have a 
a career. I wanted to be working, but what I was doing was not meeting that was not making me feel whole. It wasn't making you feel whole. So that was, that was really the feeling that kind of motivated. It was kind of becoming increasingly aware of that there's something missing ideas that really exactly. you on. Exactly. And then the, but there always needs to be something, right? That kind of pushes you into that, okay, I'm going to make a big change. I did somebody right. uh, I know in Toronto uh, loves the expression, nobody likes change, but a wet baby. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, think, that's so funny. Yeah. I think more catchy. I'll give her credit for that. So okay. I just, um, so a lot of times you have to have that little, what's going to happen. And it was my daughter. She, uh, I later was diagnosed with dyslexia, but at the time did not know what was going on, except for the fact that she didn't want me to leave. And she was pulling mm -hmm. on my skirt saying, mommy, mommy, don't go, don't go to work, don't do it. And my husband one night said, why? I think you need to stay home. You're not happy with what you're doing and figure it out, figure out what, what it is you want to be doing. Right. So your daughter's kind of like your little spiritual guide kind of going, exactly. okay, <laughs> we're going to push you forward and do something new now. And, and I have to say, had I not stayed home, I know this is true for my, my story is that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to help her in the way that she needed support for, for her schooling. Cause now she's, now she's in med school becoming a doctor. So uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, a good thing that you pursued your something more, which was partly like filling yourself up as a mother, right? Yes. Yes. But that I needed something other than that. So yeah. it, it was good to, um, I feel like having that balance is so important. Right. So once you'd made the decision, okay, you left accounting and it, you know, you decided you wanted to spend more time with your daughter, like what led you to this whole process of where you're offering like retreats and meditation and yeah. <laughs> a very, a very slow process, I must say, but, but a wonderful journey, a wonderful journey. So I, there was a book that I had picked up before I quit working about finding passion in your work. And I went through the different exercises. One of the ideas was to try things on, just try on different aspects that you might want to do. And, and I start, I was working with the book and I'm very disciplined and I'm very diligent, but I stalled at some point. And I went to a silent retreat and there was a, somebody who was a life coach and this is very early on. So life coach, you know, their coaches were not around, but they were offering their services and I, ended up hiring her. What a difference that what, made. When was this? Like what decade was this? <laughs> so I'm guessing this was like 1999. Wow. I didn't even know life coaching existed until 2017. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're, it was very, very early on. You're probably I, like the first life coach client ever. <laughs> yes. And I was so happy to find her because it made it just supercharged doing this work and figuring out what my next step would be that would, and finding my creativity that I really loved creativity. I mean, I still remember talking to her and all of a sudden going, she goes, I think you're very creative. And I was like, really? 
Right. It's, it's so interesting. Like I find that with so many of my clients, it's that way that we label ourselves yes. that holds ourselves back. Like I had that belief for four decades that I was not creative. Right. And so I just wouldn't allow right. it to come out. And then it was just basically overnight one day I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to decide I'm artistic and creative. And then it was just like, whoof, <laughs> just like all unleashed onto the world. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so what I'm hearing is that your process wasn't what so many people think it is like, okay, before I leave my job, what I need to do is I need to have a whole new career mapped out. Like I know my exact destination is like point Y and that's going to let, that's going to happen in three years. And then I'm going to do my quarterly (laughs) milestones. Like so many people I know are so focused on taking all the actions and what I'm hearing um, your process was, is I'm just going to try out a bunch of stuff. Yes. See what I like. Yes. And, and it was surprising because some of the things that I tried out, I was like, oh, I really thought I would like that, but oh, wow, I really didn't. So I was really glad I went through that process. And the interesting thing is, is my next step was I became a web designer in 2000, right? Another, like nobody was doing websites back then, but I I loved a lot of aspects to it. But over time, I, I realized I needed, you know, that was another stepping stone. And I ended up in this feng shui program that was three years. And that really opened me up to this whole new area that I'm in now. So how did you find, so you're, designing websites like the logical connection for me between that and being in a feng shui course isn't clear so i'm going to just kind of fill in a bit of a gap there yeah well yes and can you get the the leap from accounting to web design there i mean there there are some similarities like i was coding so it was like you know I, i loved coding and i loved the idea that i was helping people with their business even though we were doing graphic design so that kind of brought in the creativity and so I really did enjoy that, bringing all of that together. But at some point, my father passed away in 2010. And I think that can be a time when you really reevaluate what you're doing. For sure. Yes. And also social media had really gotten into the whole web design space. And I just was not, it just wasn't giving me joy. I wasn't interested in that whole piece to work with clients on. Right. And I went to this feng shui, it was, a, it was a day-long sampler at the New York uh, Open Center. And I was like, wow, I love this. I, lo- I have no, it makes no logical sense whatsoever. Why, why do I want to start doing this three-year program? I'm not sure, but I'm going to follow my heart. And, you know, I think that's, I was going to ask you in a bit, like what your major thought was that got you through this trajectory of of getting to where you want to be and this is what i'm hearing as one of your major thoughts is i'm i'm really going to follow my heart i'm going to follow my intuitive pull right is is that is that right or was yes oh absolutely well it that was my that was my thought but I had a lot of second guessing that of time you around did. it, you know, <laughs> because it was the first time that I really, you know, I could give you all sorts of logical reasons why I shouldn't do that. But I just said, I'm, I'm going to follow it. 
Well, you know, you're, you're jumping onto my bandwagon because what I am always working with people on is really listening to that intuitive voice because yeah. I believe that we have this embodied wisdom and we know right. what is, is the right thing for us. But we also all have human brains and our human brains, like we, we have this old part of our brain from, you know, when we were like in caves and that part of our brain teaches us that we need to be safe and we need yes. to stay away from danger. And anything that isn't what we've done in the past that's new in any way is super dangerous. So of course, when you're following your heart, of course, your brain kicks in and <laughs> yes, it challenges you. It's just normal, right? Well, and the, I, another great example of that is how I ended up getting into retreats was we ended up, we were just going to go look at properties in Rangeley and the realtor was like, oh my gosh, this place just dropped in price. It's going to sell and you guys have to buy it. And she pulled up to, to and you've been to Indian Point. I mean, it's, it's a it's, compound. It's got okay. lots of buildings. But let's just stop for a moment. Like when Christy says compound, I don't know what you're, you've got in your mind, but I, when I think about, and I, I, you know, as a, partnered in accounting for my travel in international tax. I traveled around the world and stayed on five-star hotels. Like Christie's yeah. place is as nice as any place I've ever oh. stayed. And it is just exquisitely beautiful inside, outside, comfortable in a, looking out over the water and the mountains. So just, I just wanted to, when I think about a compound, I, they have other things. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for clarifying for that, for people who are listening, but um and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, what in the world would I do with all these buildings? You know, there's the cottage and the main house and this barn and a dry boathouse. And, and as I was stepping out of the car, it was just this total intuitive, heartfelt thought, you're going to have retreats here. Wow. And of course, then the brain kicked in and it was like, we don't need this place. This is going to be a lot to maintain. You know, it's going to be a big mortgage. I mean, there was all these reasons not to, but I just knew in my heart of hearts. And I have to say, it has opened up so many things for me, for my husband and I having this place. It's just been unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's really kind of the centerpiece, right? From where everything else evolves out of that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so was that the, when I'm thinking about the obstacles you might've navigated through as you reinvented yourself, was it, it was your main obstacle, these thoughts that would come up that told you not to do stuff and then learning how to just do it anyway, or were there other things? Yeah, I think that we have a hard time with the, with, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the, the ancestors and, and the primitive brain, but there's yeah. also, I want to go back to the programming that we get, right? We can go right back to my parents and they're, you know, growing up in the depression and the whole idea of like, oh, you can't afford that or you don't deserve that. You know, there's a lot of those thoughts going on too that I feel like with with meditation with the work that I've done with the coaching that I've received from people that has helped me go into my own intuitive decisions exactly so it's allowing you to kind of dive in deep yes seeing these thoughts that are coming up which are really just your parents voice in your head and 
kind of, I, I don't know, as a meditator person, this is how you think about it. But I think about it, you know, just the traditional, what everybody says is, oh, those are just like clouds passing through the sky and not attaching myself to thinking that those thoughts are me. Exactly. Exactly. And also being able to step back and question them, right? Is this true? Right. Yeah. And it, usually they're not. <laughs> exactly. There's actually, this is one of the things I do with my clients is like when we're distinguishing between what's actually facts and, yes. and what's just a thought, like the vast majority of things we think are, that we think are true are not true. <laughs> Correct. Yes. I totally agree with you. Okay. So is there anything else that you think is important? Like for all the people that are listening and going, I would love to know how to do that too. Um, is, is there anything about your journey, anything else about your journey you'd like to share with them that you think would be helpful to them in navigating their own journey? Well, I would like to share, we, we didn't really touch on it, but that when I qu first quit corporate, one of the book, another book that I read had to do with women and creativity or something like that. And uh, it suggested that you sit quietly for three to five minutes. And that was kind of the, my first intro to meditation. And I feel like that having that practice has really helped me open me up to possibilities and to being able to listen objectively to the, to the voices in my head. But I'd also like to say, it's hard to do by yourself. So getting a coach is so important at different points in time to help you move forward to do exactly what you should be doing, right? <laughs> Finding your, I know you like to say that your joy. Yeah. And it, you know, I, I agree with you about both of those things. Like those reflective quiet moments are so important. And then for me, like I always have my own, I'm a coach. I always have my own coach too, right? Because sometimes I'll believe my thoughts that are actually not true either, but right. when they're my thoughts, I think they are true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think it would be really useful at this point for you to share with the listeners exactly what you're offering clients right now. Like there, I'm, I'm sure there's so many people that will hear this will go like, Oh, I'd really love to find out more how I could get in touch with Christy, like how I could work with her, like what different ways I could explore what she offers. So I know you've got a membership program and your retreat center. So can you tell us about that and how people might connect with you and what I'll do um, after we finish this recording is I'll put all the details in the show notes so everybody can be able to find you. Absolutely. I think that the best way, the most simple way is to go to my website, which is myparavita.com. And from there, like up at the top, right, there's the join membership. If somebody wants to join the My Paravita Circle, which is the meditation membership, a wonderful program. Heather's a founding member and, and I love getting together. I do Monday morning meditations with them and we meet once a month. There's also finding out about events that are going on. That will also be on the myparavita.com website. Wonderful. And how about Feng Shui? Feng, that's, feng yeah. Shui, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's also on there. Uh, and 
you can contact me if somebody wanted to have a consultation or find out more about it. Yeah. So no matter which of these three things people have heard about that, you know, some people might love the idea of meditation and other people right. might like feng shui and other people might like your taste and there might be people who are interested in all three. So we can find all of that by going to my paravita. Is that right? Yes. com. Oh, that's so incredible. So Christy, thanks so much for joining me here today. I loved this discussion. I loved how honest and generous you were with sharing everything. And I think as we all find out how different people have navigated uh, through their journeys, it gives the rest of us so much hope about what's available for us to create in our own lives. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Heather. It was my pleasure to be here. It was really wonderful. Lots of fun. Okay, great. So that was such a fun interview. I hope you enjoyed it. I think there were a lot of nuggets packed in there. You might even want to go back and listen to it again. So I just thought I would summarize a few of the highlights to really point them out because she's illustrated how one person successfully navigated to find her own joy. So although she was originally content as an accountant, it was her feeling that there was this internal pull that eventually crept up and pulled her wanting something more. And for her, it was when her dyslexic daughter was pulling on her sleeve saying, please don't go to work, that kind of gave her the courage to stay home and figure it out and also be there for her daughter. But she was always career focused. And what really worked for her was taking it slow and allowing herself to be creative. She just tried things on. She experimented with an open mind. She didn't like some things she thought she would like, but then other surprising things showed up she'd never expected. She was led by mostly by her intuition and what she felt in her heart and what gave her joy. So she found that her intuitive wisdom came in flashes, like the time she discovered feng shui. And also when she and her husband looked at the property and she suddenly had this thought, oh, I could re create retreats here. And it was really listening to that voice that helped her find something that actually does give her so much joy, as you could hear from the beginning of the interview. And the two tools she used was meditation, opened her up to possibilities and allowed her to be reflective. And when fear sprang up while she was meditating, she would say, is it true? And she didn't let those fear fears cause her not to proceed. And then she did early on in the process meet a coach who was there for her, helping point her towards her creativity and point her towards her joy. So just some things to consider when you think about this interview. I hope that helps and I'll see you next week. So if you're energized by the possibilities you're hearing about on this podcast, but you're wondering how it's possible to actually make what you've been fantasizing about doing actually happen, I'd love you to join me for a free strategy session where we'll talk about coaching together. 
We'll explore how you can start making what you want possible by taking small, easy steps that add up to something amazing. Just click on the link in the show notes below this episode to book your free call. I'd love to meet you live. And all my listeners, remember, it's finally your time to do what you want.